0: We invite you to stand now as you are able for the reading of God's Word. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Mark 12, verses 28 through 31. And now, from the 28th chapter of Matthew. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good
1: morning. I want to say hello to all of you who are watching online and on television. Thank you for being with us this morning. If you're in the room, would you please give our online television audience a big hand? Also want to say thank you to Aaron for reading our scripture this morning. He's been interning with us uh, over the past couple of weeks. He actually led worship last week in uh, Wesley Hall, and God has his hand on this young man, and he is going to do amazing things in the kingdom. So thank you, Aaron. Also, uh, this week is another week, I think, where it's instead of uh, where in the world is Waldo, it's where in the world is John Ed. He is on the road speaking, uh, so keep him in your prayers. I think he had three different speaking engagements in a row, so keep John Ed in your prayers as he's out ministering and being a servant of the gospel. I also want to say uh, welcome to a very special guest we have this morning, somebody who has been so good to us here at Fraser, and then me and my family, and I'm so thankful for his leadership in these difficult days that we're in, and that is our district superintendent, Jeff Wilson, who's with us right back here in the back. Would you please make him feel welcome? This morning, if you have a Bible, please turn to John chapter 4. I am so thankful for the series that we are in where we have been talking about what it means to be people who fulfill the Great Commission by living the Great Commandment. That if we're going to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything Jesus has commanded us to, it's going to take us focusing on loving God, loving our neighbor, as We love ourselves in healthy ways and so this morning we're going to be moving from kind of these internal conditions of our heart and our soul and our mind to These external actions over the next three weeks as you're turning to John 4 I want to remind you of first John 3:18. It says this it says dear children Let's not merely say that we love each other Let us show the truth by our actions Let us not just say that we love each other. Let us show the truth, the truth about love, the truth of love by our actions, how we live our lives. I believe that the world wants to know truth. And the world wants a truth that's not just debated by words, but demonstrated in acts of love. And whenever the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all of your strength, It's talking about loving God, yes, with our physical capabilities, but also all of our material possessions as well. Our hands, yes, our feet, our lips, and what we do and how we serve and in what we say, but also those things, those resources that we have that God has blessed us with. How do we use our car, our house, and even, yes, our money to love God and to love others and to serve God and to serve others? I believe we get a powerful case study here in John chapter 4. And what I want us to do, is I want to make four observations about Jesus here, four things that we see him doing. Let's start in verse 1. We're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. Verse four, or, uh, Chapter 4 verse 1 says this, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Watch verse 6. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired. From the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I absolutely love that verse. Point number one is simply this, is that Jesus was tired early in the day. Jesus was tired early in the day. Have you ever made it right before lunch or right after lunch and you thought, I'm not going to make it through this day? You know that feeling? Even those of you who are retired, you know that feeling, right? I'm not sure I'm going to make it through this day. Well, if you've ever felt that way, you're in good company because that's how Jesus felt on this day. Jesus spent his life being about his father's business. He wore himself out living on mission and reaching people. He had late-night conversations. He had all-night prayer meetings. He had mornings filled with teaching, afternoons full of healings. He took a child's lunchable and fed thousands with it. I thought that was good, too. I thought that was good. Yeah, the choir's with me. He challenged the self-righteous. He had compassion on the poor. He was constantly reaching out to those on the margins. Jesus wore himself out doing ministry, being about his Father's business. You know, what you wear yourself out doing in many ways reveals what matters the most to you. We're all gonna wear ourselves out doing something, aren't we? We're all gonna get tired doing something. And what we wear ourselves out doing in so many ways reveals what matters the most to us. And we can either spend our lives coveting and chasing after comfort, or we can spend our lives copying the Savior. Because what we wear ourselves out doing reveals what matters the most. The question is, what will it be? What will it be? How will you spend your energy in this life? You know, I knew a couple that uh, a few years ago, they, they saw a need in their church. The need that they saw was that it was kind of hard for people to connect to Sunday school classes in small groups, and it was actually their experience whenever they had first come to the church several years earlier, and so they began to pray about that. You know, prayer is a dangerous thing. Sometimes when you start praying, God happens to speak every now and then, and, starts leading you in certain directions. And so they started praying, and they said, God, we feel like we're called to meet this need in some way. And so the idea that they had was to start a Sunday school class that was specifically designed for guests. And as the guest would come in, the intention was they would only be in that Sunday school class three or four weeks. That was it. And their role was going to be to help them find another Sunday school class or another small group. But here's the thing. In order for them to do this, they had to give up their box seats, season tickets at Bryant Denny Stadium. Now, I have a theological problem with that in and of itself. But that's for another sermon. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Anyway, everybody won yesterday. We're, we should all be fine, right? Yeah. They had to give up those tickets in order to do that class. And I'll never forget what they said. They said, you know, we're. whenever we go down for the game, it's a wonderful thing. We enjoy it, but we're so tired. We either spend the night or we drive back and we get back really late and end up missing church. And we feel God calling us to put our energy into helping guests connect here. You see, we're going to spend our energy. We're going to get tired doing something. The question is, what will it be? What will it be? Jesus was constantly about his father's business. And we have to ask ourselves the question, how will we spend our time and our energy? But the story goes on, verse 7. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Notice, the disciples are off getting food. He's asking for a drink. Point number two is simply this. It is that Jesus asked for help. Think about that. The creator of this world found himself in this world asking another part of the creation, another human being, for help. Can you give me a drink? Jesus not only teaches us that our fatigue in many ways unmask what our faith is really in, but Jesus teaches us that every servant needs support. Every servant needs support. While the disciples are away getting Jesus food, he's so tired he can't even walk into the village. He just sits down on the desert beside a well. The disciples go in to get him some food. This woman walks up. Jesus has never met her in his life. He crosses some serious boundaries, social and cultural boundaries, in order to even speak to her in public. But his throat feels like the desert floor he's sitting on and he asks for a drink of water. Would you please give me a drink? Jesus shows us that loving God with all of our strength does not mean we're always strong. Loving God with all of our strength does not mean that we're always strong. In fact, many times it's in those weak moments, those moments when we're tired and we're exhausted that God does some of his most amazing work in us and through us. Whenever people come up to me and they say, Chris, I feel called to serve in some way. There's something I know that God wants me to do, uh, and I think it may be this or that or whatever. And they always say the line, you know, I'm not sure I can do that. I always say, great, you're in the perfect place. Perfect place. Because if you're not sure you can do it, you're going to trust God a little more along the way. Your confidence is not going to be in you. But whenever we're serving, there are always those moments when we need help from people around us. And again, Jesus shows us that it's in moments when we feel weak that God shows up and begins to do amazing things because this normal conversation, what started as a normal conversation, turns into a supernatural encounter. The story goes on, verse 9. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan woman. It's as if she's saying, you do understand who we are, right? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And right here, the conversation takes a turn. Point number three is simply this, is that Jesus took the conversation beyond the surface level. You know, when we put ourselves in these ordinary places of service, It's amazing how God opens up opportunities to have some of the deepest and richest conversations along the way. In fact, when you're willing to serve, many times God will take those moments that seem so mundane and he turns them into monumental occasions. The story goes on, verse 10. Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me when I would give you living water. Verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope. And you don't have a bucket. I think this woman is looking at Jesus going, I don't think you understand how this well thing works. You don't have a rope and you don't have a bucket. Not only that, this well's pretty deep. You're not jumping down there. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? It's as if she's saying, "Uh, do you understand where you're at right now? This is kind of like holy ground. We're talking about the Jacob, right? Do you really understand the well you're sitting beside right now? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And then right here, I think the woman gets a little sarcastic. She says, please, sir, give me some of this water and I will never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come out here and get water. She said, if you have some of that water, I'll take it. And I won't have to come out here with my bucket and get water and take it all the way back in and right here I think Jesus wants to get her attention a little bit look at verse 16 he says go and get your husband Jesus told her I don't have a husband the woman replied Jesus said you're right you don't have a husband you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now you certainly speak the truth sir the woman said you must be a prophet now, right here, we need to be very careful. I want you to notice what's happening. What started as a surface-level conversation, will you give me something to drink, has now gone in a completely different direction. Jesus starts talking about living water, and it's as if he needs to get her attention And so he brings up this point of pain in her life. Now, here's where we need to be careful. So many times as Western readers, what we read into this text is that this woman was divorced five times. I'm sorry, the text does not say that. It does not say that. More than likely, what has happened is that this woman has been having to live under the Leverett marriage law for a long time. If you understand the Levirate marriage law, you understand the book of Ruth and the story of Ruth and Boaz in the Old Testament. The Levirate marriage law was simply this, is that when a woman and man were married and the husband died, the woman became the responsibility of the oldest living male relative in the husband's family. Common practice happened all the time. We have to remember that many times men would, would be older and the women would be younger. And so this woman who was married to her husband, odds are what happened was that he passed away and became the responsibility or married her husband's oldest living relative. And then he passed away, and then he passed away, and then he passed away, and then he passed away. And, passed away. and where she's at now? She's living with a man she's not married to, which is probably the next oldest living male relative in her husband's family. You have to remember that in the first century for a woman, they had no class, no class, no standing in society. For her to be married more than once was very rare, very rare. I point this out to say this. Number one, we need to be careful when we're reading the Bible. Number two, this woman knew pain. Not only that, this woman knew death. And Jesus is talking with her about living water this woman knew what it was like the way I just laid it out to do the funeral for five husbands five men who were supposed to take care of her in a conversation that started about a drink of water is now about a widow who knows loss and pain in life. You see, when you're willing to serve and just be about the Father's mission, you're going to get tired, but you never know the moments that God is going to give you, the encounters God is going to give you with people. So this conversation, again, goes from water, now we've moved to our own life. She says, you must be a prophet, so tell me. Notice where she goes next. Jesus is not shaming her. Notice where the conversation goes next. He touches this point of pain, then verse 20. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Notice the conversation goes from water to being widowed to worship. She brings up worship. Jesus touches a point of pain in her life, and worship is the next thing she wants to talk about. She says this. Where's that? Hang on a second. Ah, there it is. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim?" where our ancestors worship. So Jesus enters into this worship conversation. Verse 21, Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, not in physical location. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way, for God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. All of a sudden, again, this conversation turns into a conversation about connection with God. And then she says this. The woman said, well, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. She kind of pushes the possibility of understanding to some point in the future, and then look at verse 26. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I love how it transitions in verse 27. Just then the disciples came back. <laughs> Jesus gets to this point in the conversation where he reveals who he is, and just then the disciples, they show up and interrupt. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, and why are you talking with her. None of them had the nerve to ask. I love that it says they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. I really think, as the church, we should be about the business of shocking other people by our love for people. I thought that was good. I really do think we need to be about the business of shocking the world by our love, not our sin. Notice what happens next. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back into the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? A conversation where Jesus is tired and worn out that was about water turned into a conversation about this point of pain in her life, turned into a conversation about worship, and now even though Jesus is fatigued, faith is blossoming in this woman. And a miracle is taking place in her. Verse 30, so the people came streaming out from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said, watch this, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Then I love the disciples here. They said, "Uh, uh, did someone bring him food while we were gone? Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Point number four is simply this is that Jesus was energized by doing God's will. This story started with Jesus being very tired. So tired he couldn't even go get his own food. So tired he couldn't even get his own drink of water. He's sitting in the dirt beside a well. And through this encounter, Jesus just being Jesus, living on mission, being willing to engage people and love people, something amazing happens in this woman's life. And Jesus finds himself energized by doing God's will. So many times in life, we find ourselves confused. We find ourselves living in this place of feeling meaningless or purposeless. And whenever someone is there, I always like to ask the question, who are you serving? Who are you serving? You know, in one sense, serving does not sanctify you, but serving satisfies that longing that's in each and every one of us to actively love God and to love others. Oh, it's there. That's Ephesians 2.10. You are God's workmanship, God's masterpiece. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. You are God's poetry in motion, right? And you're created to serve. And that longing is there in each and every one of our hearts. You know, in the church, we talk about loving God with the three T's, you've all heard this, with our time, our talent, and our treasure. That's so true. It's so true. When we're willing to serve, to use our time to serve. You know, time is your most precious thing in life it is the one thing you're not going to get any more of it is a sacred thing to give your time away and whenever you say yes to one say one thing you say no to a million other possibilities in life it's a sacred thing your talent you're uniquely made You are uniquely made, and God has things that he wants you to do. There is work he wants to put your hands to, and so many times, though, we stand back from that because we're kind of afraid we're going to get it wrong, and we never give ourselves the chance to get it right. And then treasure. Oh, yes, treasure. If you're a Christian in the room, if you're a Christian watching online or on television, I say this to you. God calls us to give and to give generously. If you're not giving in some way, start somewhere and start consistently. It's always my advice, start somewhere and start consistently. So many times in life, we, we kind of set our life around a number that's in some kind of account somewhere, and when it hits that magic number, whatever number we've determined, then we get to go into this magical land called retirement with a little bit of security. Christians are called to live different. Instead of setting lifetime savings goals, we should set lifetime giving goals. How much do we want to give of ourselves, all of who we are in our life? Because we're called to serve with everything that we have. Remember, loving God with all of our strength means, yes, our physical capabilities, but also our material possessions. And that's why that challenge is before you in your commitment card that you have. If you don't have one, you can pick it up. That challenge is there for you to pray about what is God calling you to do next year? How is God calling you to serve next year? How is God calling you to give next year? Do it strategically through your tithes and offerings, yes, but do it spontaneously as the Lord leads you and guides you and puts people in your path. For today, let me say this. You know, you may have noticed we're living in a COVID-19 world. Did anybody else notice that? Which means that for the church, in many ways, the normal ways in which we have served, some of them are not there. And if you're like me, you grieve that. You grieve that. That's hard. It's hard. But even though the world has changed a lot on us since March, God has not changed. People in need have not changed. And I believe that God is still on the move calling people to serve. He wants to use your hands. He wants to use your feet. He wants to use your lips to speak life into other people's lives. He wants to use you to bless others. It just may look different than what it did before, and that's okay. That's okay. We can't fall in love with the model of ministry. We fall in love with changed lives. Amen? And so my challenge to you today is to pray. Pray and hang on. Pray and ask God, how is... God, how are you calling me to serve now? God did not push the pause button on serving in some way. He's still calling us to be the church and to be the church here and to be the church now. And he wants to use us again We're God's poetry in motion. May we never stop writing. Never stop writing. So I'd like to invite you to pray with me, and I'd like to pray to that end. Let's pray. Father, right here, right now, in this place, those watching online and on television, Lord, we admit that there are moments when our fatigue, our weariness has held us back from serving you. And so Lord, we honestly confess and we say sometimes we spend our lives on things that, well, they don't build the kingdom. But Lord, I pray that today we would have a resolve in our heart, a resolve like no other day to say, Lord, here are my hands, use them. Here are my feet, lead me wherever you want me to go. Here are my lips. Let, they, let them speak life into people's lives. So, Lord, once again, as we sit here, we sit in our living room, wherever we may be, may we have a holy resolve to serve you, to bring glory to you, and to serve others to seek their good. Lord, this week, would you open our eyes that we may see needs around us and give us the boldness to act on your behalf. Would you do it again? Would you use us? Would you use us? We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. Amen.